Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. My guest today is Jake Volker. Jake is a veteran of two deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan as a member of the U.S. Army. When he got back to the States and finished his service, he started a multitude of companies and has become a very successful entrepreneur in the Pittsburgh area. His role in Voodoo Brewery and its growth throughout Western Pennsylvania. He sold a craft beer tour company and also runs a contracting service for disabled military veterans. He has a ton of wisdom and definitely someone that you should identify as a role model and someone who's going to be doing big things in the near future. So I wanted to get him on the show and just pick his brain a little bit about his techniques and how he's gone about building a really interesting and fun career. So enjoy my interview with Jake Volker. So Jake, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, my man. Appreciate uh, it. You're busy, dude. So we probably should just start off by uh, allowing you to explain the multiple hats that you wear, uh, both with your contracting company and Voodoo Brewery, and if there's something else that we missed there that uh, you're you're busy with your hand in. Sure. Uh, so yeah, so I am. Uh, we kind of hate titles, so we joke around. Uh, you know, maybe I'm director of tasting or the American legend for Voodoo Brewing Company. But I actually, you know, we, we call I call myself a vice president. At least that's what's on our legal documents for Voodoo Brewing Company. I manage kind of everything that exists down in Pittsburgh right now. Voodoo is headquartered in Meadville, about an hour and 40 minutes north, where we brew everything, center for operations. And uh, we had the opportunity in 2014 to look at a secondary location in Pittsburgh, uh, which became our homestead location, which we bought the oldest fire and police station in the city of Pittsburgh. We renovated a small section of it and put a a spot that you can come and buy our beer in it, essentially, which uh, has been really cool. And it's been an absolutely incredible opportunity for me. Um, I came on to Voodoo in 2010, just as I was getting home from Iraq as a silent partner. So my good buddy um, up north, who's our CEO, Matteo Rashaki, said, hey, are you interested in kind of investing in this company? And I had never really blown a lot of my money from being <laughs> overseas. Uh, I did two tours, uh, one Iraq, one Afghanistan. Uh, and it was always pretty scrupulous with my cash. And so I invested in Voodoo Brewing Company before we had a pub. Um, we had our, our original founder, who just recently retired, was kind of running the show. Matteo, who I had a relationship with for many years, said, do you want to get involved in this? Uh, and then his little brother, um, Kurt, who's one of my closest friends, as Mateo is also one of my closest friends, uh, was going to become the brewer uh, kind of full time. And I said, yeah. And I barely even read the operating agreement, <laughs> which is, uh, I think looking back at it now is one of the biggest risks, risks financially that I've ever taken. Uh, and I don't know that I would ever take one like that again. And maybe that's just because I'm, I'm getting a little bit older and I'm, I'm 32 and have a family now, but I was so anxious to be an entrepreneur and be out of the, be out of the military and coming from this incredibly structured environment. And I'd spent all kinds of time overseas. And now I have this guy who I had been kind of like every time we were having a beer, we saw each 
each other over the holidays. I've been like, hey, you know, if, if you ever have an opportunity, let me know. As he was a, a very successful entrepreneur in New York. That's Mateo. Um, he has a production company that he still has out there. And that's like, that's what I wanted to do. And I really wanted it to be involved in food and beverage. And uh, when I tell the story, I often kind of make a joke about it. Like, hey, I was in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like I had nothing good. So like I'd sit there and read like food and wine magazines just to like dream of coming home, you know? Yeah. So I really wanted to be involved in something like that. I saw the opportunity in the industry. So I essentially put my life savings into it many years ago. Uh, so 2010 and uh, as a silent partner, and then the business grew over the last few years to be able to give me the opportunity to leave my full-time corporate gig, which uh, if a lot of people are kind of thinking about, you know, an entrepreneurship with a corporate gig, I had, that was my segue out. Before Voodoo had the opportunity to open up here in Pittsburgh, I was working for uh, UPMC. I was a construction project manager. I had projects all over Western PA, building everything from kind of urgent cares to you know doctors' offices, and it was uh, it was a very demanding job. But it wasn't it wasn't my dream, but it was an awesome job. I'm a better person for having that opportunity. Uh, while I had that job, I started my first company out of my own, and then sub- I started a brewery tour company. Uh, we actually took people all over uh, Western Pennsylvania um, to go visit breweries without needing transportation. Uh, I did that while I was working full-time. I then had the opportunity to sell that company to a transportation company, and that company is still out there kicking butt, PA Brew Tours, um, something I'm proud of to see it's still kind of helping out smaller startup breweries by getting people to them safely and um, all that kind of stuff is pretty awesome. So... Uh, as time moved on, I had the opportunity to kind of join, uh, f- you know, become off the bench with Voodoo uh, and help grow the company. I simultaneously started a contracting company. Uh, so I'm a service disabled veteran. Uh, I have a few injuries from being overseas, nothing crazy. Obviously, you're looking at me right now and I have kind of 10 fingers, 10 toes and all that. But uh, the federal government sets aside a small percentage of contracts for service disabled veterans to be able to win those contracts. So I've been successful in in winning some of those. Uh, And then um, in addition with that company, I do some project management around town um, with some private clients. So my primary focus is is voodoo, always has been voodoo uh, because I have a real passion for it and I get to work with my best friends. But I kind of leverage some of my past experiences in the military, which I was a that construction guy that I kind of segued into a civilian role or a corporate role, which was, you know, um, healthcare construction. And I didn't want to just completely throw that away. Um, there's still opportunity for me to do things with that. And, you know, 10 years of being formally trained and getting a master's degree and doing all that, I, I just don't totally want to throw it away. And it's something that I really enjoy project management. So in summary, you know, kind of voodoo major focus, and it's an incredibly exciting company that's doing the most amazing things right now. We have the number one beer in the world rated on Beer Advocate right now, wow. um, which is called Man Bear Pig, uh, which is uh, <laughs> named after a South Park episode. Yeah. Uh, and you also get to have a little bit of fun with the business too. I can take zero credit for our creativity or our brewing skill. That's all definitely my business partners. But uh, so yeah, so that's in a nutshell. I hope I hit it all and that can be a little bit much to bleh. Oh, and I just had a daughter. So <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. A lot of info packed there. We'll probably work on unpacking that a little bit, but you said something early on that I, uh, I really latched onto. Your friend Mateo had this prior entrepreneurial experience and as you were coming out of your service, you knew that that is the direction that you wanted to go. And you very clearly pursued that in starting or being involved in basically three different entrepreneurial ventures, the tour, the contracting, and the brewery. Sure. How did you find entrepreneurship or, or what 
was the point of attraction? Was it seeing Mateo and his success or were there other factors that exposed you to it or led you to this path? Uh, sure. So it, I think a lot of guys that are in the military can often become frustrated with the extreme structure. Every single thing is laid out for you in a manual. There's very little room, especially for lower level leaders, to use creativity and find solutions in the best way to find those solutions when there's a manual that's, you know, manual whatever. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven that you look up and you say, oh, that's the way the army tells me that I have to do this. So it becomes kind of a dream when you start to feel yourself and you're like, man, I'm I'm actually a pretty motivated guy. I'm, I'm pretty smart. And I know that I can do this better than what all these people are telling me in this extremely rigid environment. Entrepreneurship starts to become very attractive to you. And you also, I think at that time in your life, uh, so you know, you're 24, 25, 26, you've kind of got some money in your pocket at this point. You've been working very hard in the military. I was an officer, so I have a little bit of a different pay structure. And you know, you're saying, man, I want to, I want to start something. I want to, I want to do something on my own. And I kind of want it to be just me because I, I know that I can handle it because I've been put under these extreme circumstances in the military that can be everything from going on a combat mission through the middle of Baghdad to jumping out of a plane to finding, designing a brand new supply chain through India into Afghanistan. You know, so you, you've had these big challenges. So you say, well, well, starting a small business should be really easy for me. And, and I can be very successful in doing this. So that became something that I knew probably halfway through my service that um, it was something that I really wanted to do. And I wanted it badly to the point that I was interviewing to get into MBA programs while I was in Iraq over Skype. Yeah, because I wanted to get right out. I wanted to jump in. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are all in kind of guys. So for me, I knew that I was a military guy. I knew that I was very good at leadership. Uh, I knew that I was very motivated, but I was really worried about kind of speaking the language of business, which was words like revenue, profit, balance sheet, all those type of things are words that you don't really use in the military. You know, you use beans, bullets, and band-aids and, you know, come here private. And, you know, those type of words are, are, and are the things that's used. So in my mind, what I was going to grab onto was I'm going to get into an MBA program and I'm going to grow as fast as I can into a direction of being an entrepreneur. And I also felt that I was one of the hardest working people that I know. And if I work even half as hard as most of the people around me, that I can gain far more success for myself than anybody else that's around me just by working hard. So that's where you go to an entrepreneurial side of the house because you can go work for corporate America. You can work harder than anybody, but you might not double your salary in a year. If you work as hard as every single person around you in the entrepreneurial world, you have the opportunity to double your worth every year if you work hard at it. And that's why I think it's, it's really attractive. And it's definitely way harder than anything that I've ever done. Like I thought the military was really hard. Small business is extremely challenging. Yeah. So I'm curious because that, that's another thing that I've picked up on is the confidence that you get from understanding the language of a group, a community, an industry, whatever you want to call it. You went to this MBA program and I'm assuming became pretty fluent in this language of business that you previously didn't have. Uh, was there anything outside of that 
that you were studying or following to build your skill set in that area? Or was it more a situation where, you know, I've finished the MBA, I've, you know, put my investment into the brewery, I'm just going to go do and focus on a learn by doing method as opposed to maybe just like pounding the books or researching further? Sure. Uh, I learned more from starting my first company and subsequent sale of it that was I didn't have it for that long. I only had it for about a year and a half to two years. Uh, I learned more doing that. So easy. In the first six months, I learned more doing that than I did in my entire two and a half year long MBA program. Saying that two very different kind of levels of learning, you know, an MBA program uh, really steers you in the direction of kind of corporate three little letters after your name. I can be a well-rounded, successful business executive for a Fortune 500 company. Half of that learning, after I learned the language, I wanted to learn by jumping in and starting my own business. And that's what I did. And that's really where I kind of learned how all of this works. Every single place that I could get more information on how to do things, no site specific. It is the best source of information that I've ever received and done my own research on is surrounding yourself with people who have done more than you in what you want to do. So if you're going to start a small business in the construction world, then you should find a really successful construction company owner and have him be your mentor. I've searched for mentors in almost everything that I've done. I've been very lucky to have a lot of them. And that's where I get a lot of information. And I still call a lot of them and say, Hey, I'm really thinking about this transition on, on this contract or this uh, business that I'm working. You want to talk through it for a little bit? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That'll beat down any book that you could ever read in the entrepreneurship world. There could be other you know things for kind of the corporate world that you might want to take a look at. So that's, that's another skill as well, building a network of people who are willing to mentor you to some degree or another. Can you elaborate a little bit on what those relationships look like? Because I think for someone who maybe doesn't have that as consistently or aspires to that, they see, well, this is someone who's going to meet with me. We'll take my call every single day or every week. And we're like reviewing every single thing about my business. Whereas it could also be a relationship where they're just the person, if I call them once every three months with a very specific technical question in their area of expertise, they can be an asset to me. So can you talk a little bit about maybe just both how you've built and made those relationships and then how you actually leverage them to your advantage without over asking for too much of those mentors? I think asking too much of mentors can happen. You know, you've got to understand that people are really busy and that they have their family, you know, their families and they want their off time too. So, you know, to take two hours of somebody's day every other week or whatever that might be could be a little bit I always talk about the first mentorship that I had right when I got out of the military. I got hooked up with a program that was called American Corporate Partnership. Uh, Not that I think you need to find a formal program to find a mentor, uh, but it was a program that connected military officers with high-level corporate executives to steer you in the right direction on whatever you needed help with. And it was very structured. You even signed like a little contract that said, you know, for one year, you know, it's, you know, you guys are going to meet once a month or something like that. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I was fortunate enough to be paired with a guy named Bill O'Rourke who has just turned out to be 
not even a mentor at this point, just to be like a family friend. You know, I had major surgery. He came over and he sat with me and hung out with me. Uh, and I've asked him questions on everything from personal to professional life. And he's always there for me when I'm ready to make a move. And he's very busy and he's retired and he does all that. But he knows when I call him that I'm something's kind of going on in my head and I'm kind of trying to figure something out. And he's just an awesome guy. I was very fortunate to have that in my life in 2010, a guy who cared about me and was, you know, a very, very successful and powerful executive for a fortune 500 company want to take time with me. And that's awesome. Um, I think that finding a mentor and, you know, kind of using them, you know, whether it's for something technical or just in general, um, for, you know, my contracting side of the house, I have one guy that, you know, I just, you know, every other month we go grab a cup of coffee and we just kind of talk about what we have going on. And, And he, he's excited to give me guidance because and he's, he sees a little bit of me in him, and he wants me to be successful. So when I'm talking to him about a new gig that I'm working on or something on those lines, so without even asking, he'll say, ooh, don't forget about this, 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 and this. And it just always kind of – it always really helps me out and gets, gets my head straight for sure. And I'm sure that he also sees that work ethic and that passion, that fire that you have, which is why he's so excited to help. If, if, you, yeah. weren't, if you weren't doing the work to help yourself, he'd be less invested in you as well. Sure. So now I want to just kind of get into actually getting your contracting business started. So you talked about winning these contracts that are uh, designated for what, what's the, the exact terminology for it? Service disabled veteran on small business. That, yeah. that is it right there. Yeah. How have you gone about getting these contracts and, and what else was involved in getting this business off the ground? Sure. So um, I'm actively seeking no new contracts right now. Okay. Uh, I think is for people listening to this podcast, you know, that have a focus on starting your own business, uh, you reach a point where you only have so much bandwidth uh, and you have to kind of choose, you know, what you love and go in that direction. And that's something that I'm really focused on right now is kind of a work-life balance and kind of taking the things that I'm, I'm very passionate about and things that I love doing in, in one direction. So getting it off the ground was a little bit more difficult than what most people would um, do to start an own business. You know, you'd typically pop up a website, uh, you know, get an LLC going, start to market yourself, get some business cards, whatever it is that you have to do. To be a service-disabled veteran-owned small business, you have to be approved by the Department of Veterans Affairs, that you are a service-disabled veteran, that you're legitimate, and that you fit within a set of guidelines that the federal government stipulates. Uh, It takes about a year. So it's a year of sending written memos back and forth on questions that they have. And at the end of the day, that program is designed to make sure that service disabled veterans are actually getting the work and people that are very successful, whatever, a rich group of people or a very successful group of people aren't grabbing a busted up veteran and kind of putting him as a shadow owner of a company. Do you see what I'm saying? So it starts to become very in-depth on the structure of your business. Who owns it? Where are you getting funding from? You you know, what's your experience? You know, all those type of things to make sure that you are a legitimate service-disabled veteran-owned small business. Um, So that took a lot of time. Uh, Once I got it, I was kind of sitting back and, you know, kind of what's my plan. And then literally I just started bidding jobs. So those jobs pop up on the internet that the federal government puts out. You know, they spend an awful lot of money. I started bidding at them. I started getting them. And then I was marketing myself to some private clients for some project management very specifically. And I think that where I'm at right now with that is is a great story to talk about that company is that I'm doing project management around town. I'm actually a subcontractor 
to the primary kind of owner's representative project manager and we were competing versus each other and he won one of the one of the project management contracts that I was very interested in getting but we connected and he knew what I did and I knew what he did and we knew that we had uh, kind of converse skills for it and so sure enough after he won the job he called me and asked me to be his subcontractor and now keeps me extremely busy it would not be possible for me to take on any new work at this point and he has kind of contracts all around town and it's been an amazing relationship but I'm at that time before he had called me and I'm going around to private clients and people that do big construction projects and people I have through my network and things that I had, you know, done in my past uh, uh, corporate career and just kind of saying, you know, Hey, do you know anybody who's looking for a project manager? You know, do you know anybody who has a big project right now that could use an extra hand and just very simply marketing myself and um, was successful there too. Had a bunch of everybody from landlords doing construction to a little bit of bigger clients who said, Oh, I actually, I worked with you on that project from when you were in the corporate world, would you be, you want to come and do some work for me? Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of defining yourself on price points and how you market yourself too is uh, very important. Super niche market. Yeah. Way different than the beer world, right? So 100% relationship driven to where it is nothing but how I've performed on past projects and handshakes and bonded with people and been in. Construction is a very stressful very stressful yeah. industry, you know, how we've done to kind of the polar opposite, uh, you know, which is Voodoo Brewing Company and people every single day. We have, you know, a whole bunch of customers on Saturdays. We have hundreds of customers and, you know, they just come to the door just to seek us out and have, you know, our amazing product and what we do and kind of our vibe and come and sit back and relax with us. So really converse. Uh, and even I always joke around about, you know, wearing two hats, you know, one of them is ultra professional, super professional emails, phone calls, send out meeting invites, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then my other world is very get it done and laid back and yeah, man, right on, you know, yeah, we can get that going, you know, whereas that language doesn't work in, you know, the, the other side of my life, but I think you can kind of see on what direction I'm kind of trying to head a little bit. So absolutely. And so that kind of begs the question as well, how have you balanced getting involved in both of these ventures and from like a time management standpoint, how are you organizing your weeks so that you're not, I mean, I'm sure to some degree it's stressful when you feel like you're putting out fires all over the place, but how are you keeping yourself sane? Uh, so I definitely, for the first time, am really focused on being able to leave my stress at the door. And that's very important for me to be able to walk into the door. I just mentioned, I just recently had a daughter, so I don't want to bring that stress home. Uh, I definitely, from the second I step out the door until the second that I come home, I am go. My phone doesn't stop ringing. Uh, I'm constantly, you know, responding, not necessarily putting out fires, but, uh, I'm, you know, growing, growing companies. And, um, so totally finding new experiences mentally that I can go and do. The other day I went out, I took a foraging class on how to find, you know, local food in the forest just to kind of break me out of what I was doing. And I almost, I, I don't know if it's an actual term or not, but I've been calling it mental confusion. You know, there's, uh, if you get really into working out, a lot of personal trainers will talk about muscle confusion to where you kind of snap your body into just, you know, oh, I run three days a week or whatever it is. It's about mixing it up. I've been trying to do that mentally uh, and just going and doing new things. And I've also really focused focused on myself physically, mentally, and emotionally, just the three of them taking some time for me and just, you know, 
shutting off the world for a little bit and turning my phone off for a little bit. And I found that I'm more effective in the long run, even if I turn my phone off for an hour, just on essentially the things that I'm working on. And, but I think that's the most important thing for me right now, especially because I'm such a new dad is I want to be able to walk in at 6:30, and I want to, I want to be focused on my family and I'm not great at it right now, but, um, it's my goal to get better. So, um, I joined a gym and, you know, before I come home, I get a little workout in, in my mind, that's like the, it's like one of the ways that I snap myself out of it. So I go from work, 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 let's get a workout in. My phone goes off then. And then I walk in the door and, and I just try to be as chill as I possibly can. Get the sweat on, burn off some cortisol. Have exactly. A good, have a good end of your day. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit about voodoo's expansion and kind of the realization all right i think it's time to open up this other location start spreading the brand you have this this top rated beer but what were some of the signals that you saw that you know it's time to expand and then what have some of the challenges been in opening up the new location Sure. So, uh, you know, when we came on as an investment group and Mateo and Kurt uh, came on up in Meadville to kind of start taking the business on, uh, you know, the business had a lot of growth to do uh, and, and it did that. So, you know, we didn't have a pub. We opened up a pub. Uh, you know, pub operations were streamlined and we understood the profitability of that pub, understood the brand image that we had and recognition within the craft beer market and we understood that and said, hey, you know, on any given day, we've got all these guys driving up to Pittsburgh or driving up from Pittsburgh to come and check out our beers might be a pretty good idea. But I think of all things to kind of where we're at, and I, I mentioned to you before we got started that we're almost in a little bit of kind of post startup phase. Uh, we're taking on real debt. We are very excited to grow the company in many different directions. But also, I think the most important thing is that we have the people. So from a leadership team, I think that we have the, the right set of skills uh, that are kind of in place, but we also have a staff that is absolutely 100% world-class for what we do. I think it's probably a subject for an entirely another podcast, so I don't want to go totally into it, but uh, we just spent the last six, nine months or so transitioning into an, imp- into an ESOP, which is an employee-owned company. So we just announced, we just had a big press day. We just did press releases. We've been doing a ton of press for it on that. We're the smallest employee owned company in the entire country. So what we did is, you know, we looked at our team and we, you know, we had the ability to say this team is as good as it gets. And we love everybody that we work with and we love everybody that we, we do. So let's make them our business partners. So as opposed to, you know, kind of doing, you know, whatever equity shuffle that might be there, you now have people gaining ownership in your company from the bus boy all the way up to the CEO and everywhere in between. And, and that was, I think just kind of a testament. It, that was after our expansion to Pittsburgh and after we started growing our company. But before that, I think we knew that. And then I think that we kind of put it to pen and paper kind of after we all were like, Whoa, this is, this is crazy now. Uh, and, and we're ready to grow a company and, and do something that's really exciting. But, you know, looking at your employee in the eye and say, Hey, I know that we're pushing right now. And I know that we have, it's insanely busy. And I know that, you know, you're working a lot of hours or whatever it is, but we're going to grow this with you. And for you also, this isn't the me show. And the response has been great. 
and we're really excited about it. So, I mean, to, in summary, you know, getting ready to move, you know, grow our company, it all kind of has to be there and you, you have to have no doubts on what's in there uh, and extreme trust. So my two other primary business partners, Matt and Kurt Rashaki, who are their brothers and they're also, that's the CEO and the brewer. I have the utmost trust in those individuals. I know that Kurt and Mateo both work equally as, if not harder as me. And I know that they're going to make the right decisions because I've watched them do it. And we have that being able to kind of look at each other, plus our employees, plus our brand image, plus our demand. And it's like, okay, let's make a decision to do some cool things here, guys. Yeah. And it's not just you being nice and like handing it out as a gift. No, it's a strong business principle that if everyone involved is invested, everyone has a stake you're going to not only see people, you know, just give a little bit extra now, but you're going to see people stick around longer if sure. they have a, a, a part ownership sure. of the organization. And what that saves you in sh- having to rehire people, what that saves you in just the institutional knowledge that you build from having the same team together for years and years is invaluable. You can't buy that, right? Yeah, you can't. And it's... Of all the things that I've done in small business over the last however many years that I've been an an entrepreneur, hands down the most exciting thing I've ever done. I get goosebumps talking about it. I think it's awesome. It is going to be something that's great to grow our company. But I, at the end of the day, uh, we talked a little bit about that military to civilian transition. You know, as a military leader, you're doing your job if it's your, if you're taking care of the people that are under you. And whether that's for the mission that you're planning, whether that's for making sure that they're fed, making sure their feet are okay, or making sure things are good at home, making sure that they're financially planning, uh, which is something that leaders in the military do do is kind of help their subordinates out like, hey, you shouldn't go buy that car, you know, and those type of things is that it was installed in me throughout that time period that, you know, selfless service and service to the people that, you know, are under you and work with you. So I've been able to take that, that that was my favorite thing about the military. I've been able to take that and now apply that to a company with people that are around me doing great things and having some fun doing it. That's as good as it gets. It's just too exciting for me. I think about it every day and, uh, it's, you know, the next, it's the next step for a company. It's awesome. Yeah. One more question, then we'll start wrapping up. When you talk to other guys who are leaving the service or maybe still in and and kind of starting to plan their next move and they are considering moving into something entrepreneurial or or very business focused, you you talked about some of the strengths, some of the, the things that are really valuable that you can take from the military experience. What are the things that you point them towards, say, you really need to sharpen this and, you know, this is maybe something that you need to add to your repertoire to be successful in this new space? Whew. Uh, surround yourself with great people. I had a really tough time kind of in the beginning learning how to set up your team. Uh, and it, because in the army, it's given to you, right? So you show up and you have a platoon and you're a member of this platoon and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Being patient and setting up your team. And I think that a military guy is very anxious and has no patience. And I still, in my home office, I have a, a on my marker board in big black bold sharpie that you actually can't even erase. It says, "Be patient. Things will happen the way you want them to, the way you need them to happen." And so, you know, when I first popped out for me, it was like, "Okay, I'm gonna start a business. Who's my attorney? Who's my who's my investor? Who's my accountant? Who's my this guy?" You know what I mean? And as opposed to kind of sitting back and being like, "Okay, let's take a week or two to find out who your attorney is gonna be," or 
to find out who your investors are going to be because, oh my God, I got an investor, you know, and you're so excited about it. Just sit back, take a deep breath. Don't rush into it. The civilian world moves slower than people think it is. From the military side of the house, you think it's this like amazingly efficient profit-based system and it's like the converse opposite. Um, so, you know, sit back, be patient and, you know, understand that building your team is one of the most important things to do. I think a military guy will understand that he knows he needs a team around him because he knew he needed a a good team in a firefight. Right. But now you have the opportunity to pick and choose who you're going to work with and you can really spend some time doing it and you can make amazing things happen. If your team is put together, right. Everybody's vested. Everybody is, you know, equally concerned in their success because you have to remember, especially in this world, people still go home to their families at the end of the night and have other things that they're doing. Whereas in the military, you're deployed, you've got one mission and that's it. You're on a deployment, you know, and that team is so cohesive. Creating it in the civilian world is more difficult. Excellent advice. That's that's a really helpful takeaway. And uh, this interview has been full of helpful takeaways. So thank you for that. If people want to learn more about you, Jake, or about Voodoo, or about any of the other projects you're doing, where your digital coordinates, where can they find you? Uh, I'm primary on Facebook. Uh, maybe that's a little bit old school, but just Jake Volker. Pittsburgh should pop up. www.voodoobrewery.com. Uh, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. And yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Cool. As always, that will be linked to in the show notes at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast. And... I think I already thanked you, but thank you again Thanks for, for having coming, me, on, coming on the show. I want to give you the mic, though, one last time so you can take it away with a personal challenge for the audience. Sure. Take this week and do something completely different that you've never done. Try to have it be a little bit physical. So if you've never if you've never gone and taken a yoga class, go do yoga. Uh, if you've never gone and done a CrossFit workout, go and do that. If you've never taken a hike in the woods go do that. Um, I have found that uh, getting physical activity and kind of getting outside is an awesome thing. Small plug, if you're listening to this in Pittsburgh, check out Three Rivers Rowing Association. I'm going to be, I row every year as well as a bunch of people that I work with and um, it's an awesome experience. You can check it out, go get a workout on the water. I think people forget how beautiful our rivers are and uh, throw a workout in with that on a crew boat. While working in a cohesive team that all work together to be able to push that boat forward is an awesome experience for somebody looking to grow a company. Absolutely. Fantastic challenge and a fantastic interview. Jake, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hope everyone out there takes Jake's challenge. We just went deep with Jake Volker. Hope everyone out there has a great day. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure that if you enjoyed today's episode, you hit that subscribe button. You can also connect with me either on Snapchat at Aaron underscore Watson or Twitter at Aaron Watson 59. The show also has a Facebook page, not terribly active there, but I want to make sure I'm meeting you wherever you are. So if there's somewhere else that you are engaging with this episode or that you'd prefer to uh, engage about podcasts with, please let me know. And please let me know what other great guests like Jake you'd like to hear from in the future. Coming down the pipe, we have a forager and naturalist, Adam Harriton. We have some Snapchat pros, Brian Fanzo and Saba Sadiji. We have got a ton of cool stuff coming down the pipe. So please make sure you stay tuned and enjoy our future episodes of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. <laughs>